Johan. Thanks, Johan. Lovely. So grab a seat. We're going to do a bit more of a response after the talk this week. So we'll leave Matt for then. We are in the middle of a series called Who Are We? And we've talked about lots of different things. We are people of faith. Uh, we're people of the spirit. We're lots of different things that we've been going through over the last number of weeks. This evening, I want to talk about us being people empowered by the Holy Spirit. And specifically, I want to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts that God gives us so that we can live the supernatural life that God intends us to live as people filled and empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. So the passage we're going to be looking at is 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks to the church in Corinth about the spiritual gifts. But before I get to that and read it, the one thing I want to say is that these gifts should be absolutely normal in our church context. You'll notice as we read them that they are absolutely not normal in the world and they're not normal things that we come across every day. But what we want to say here at this church and in every church, as is the case in the New Testament, these gifts of the Holy Spirit should be very normal for us as we try and be the people that God has called us to be and do the stuff that God has called us to do. When I went to university, um, a friend invited me to his church, and I turned up at the church. He bailed on me on the way to the church, uh, but I still went. And as soon as I walked through the back doors of the church, the worship had already started. I started to uncontrollably weep and cry as soon as I walked in. I went up to my seat. I cried the whole way through the service. I even cried through the notices. And then I went home and exited the building, went back to where I was staying. Uh, Ramsey Hall, just off Tottenham Court Road, and I was sitting down, and I was like, I wonder what that was about. That was quite strange. Happened exactly the same thing again the week after, went in, couldn't stop crying, came back out. I eventually, um, someone in the church discovered I played guitar and asked me to audition for the worship team, so I went to the worship audition. Now, the idea of a worship audition is that you play the instrument that you're auditioning for, so I took my guitar, and the worship started, and the idea was you just to play, and kind of the worship leader would walk around and pretend he's not looking at you, but really he's assessing you whether you can play anything in tune. Anyway, he's walking around. As soon as the worship started, couldn't stop crying to the extent at which I couldn't play my instruments. In the end, I just put the guitar down and I lay on the floor and I'm just weeping in the presence of God. And somebody, the worship leader actually then came up to me and he knelt down next to me, put his hand on my shoulder and he said, I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me a word of prophecy for you. And it's this, I see this broken ground in front of you and it's all cracked and fractured and really unstable and as I'm looking at the ground it's like there's lava, molten lava rolling across the ground filling in all the gaps and it's drying over time and becoming solid and I feel like what the Lord is saying is that what's happening to you right now in the Holy Spirit is he is creating a firm foundation for you in your life. Now as soon as he said that I went bang that's exactly what God's doing didn't understand it before, word of prophecy, suddenly understood what the Holy Spirit was doing because that was the experience I was having every time I was crying in the presence of God was God was filling in all of these cracks where it felt unsteady and he was creating this firm foundation in my life. And it's something that I have never, ever forgotten and it's something that I go back to again and again and I say that's what Jesus has done for me on the cross. He's created this firm foundation so that I can come with 
boldness and with confidence into his presence and be who God's called me to be. Anyway, a few weeks later at this same church, we went on a weekend away. And at the weekend away, um, they were doing ministry as we do here at the front and praying for, for people. I wasn't that used to that kind of thing at the time. So I just stayed in my seat and watched it all happen. And somebody on the stage said, I feel like there is someone here who's been blind in their left eye for seven years and we need to pray for them to be healed. And I heard that and I was instantly skeptical. I was there's no way, there's only about 200 people there, no way anybody in this room has been blind in their left eye for seven years. Absolutely ridiculous. As soon as the person said it on stage, this woman next to me leaped up out of her chair. I was like, that's me, that's me. And it's like running down to the front. She got prayed for and she was instantly healed. We knew she was healed because she could cover her right eye and she could read out of her left eye. She showed me loads of texts or emails actually on her phone to her family. She was American, her family back home, and they couldn't believe what had happened to her. Straight away healed. And this became the norm in the church I was attending at university. Absolutely normal. You would turn up on Sunday and you would see supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit practiced not by the people on stage, not by the professional Christians, but by the whole congregation. It was perfectly normal for people to prophesy over each other, and we'll go into the details of what these things are, to pray for healing, supernatural healing for each other, to exercise all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so that is what I want to talk about tonight, because in just the same way it was normal for me at university, at that church, as I began to read the New Testament, I realized it was absolutely normal in the New Testament church to expect all of these gifts to be on display as the body does what the body is supposed to do. The body of Jesus, which is us, by the way, not the building. We are the church right here. As we start to step out in the gifts that God has given us, we should expect to see all of these gifts as well. So let me just read the passage, and then I'll break it down a little bit, and then we're going to have a go at practicing them. So 1 Corinthians 12 says this, verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. This is Paul writing to a church in Corinth. Don't be uninformed, he said. You know that when you were pagans, as in not Christian, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking of the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. None of you are reading that way. Um, do you want to open that on your phone? 1 Corinthians 12, sorry, I thought it was up on the screen. Just because we're going to go through it quite specifically, and then you can see it, and you know that I'm not making it up. Um, it's a Bible app. Just type in the Bible app if you haven't got it. Or you may actually have a Bible. It's this thing that they used to do where they wrote words down on paper and then bound it together, and people used to carry it around. Um, or you can Google it. 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, so it was very normal for the people in Corinth 
to experience these gifts of spirit. In fact, it was so normal in Corinth that it had become quite chaotic. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth to help them order how these gifts of the Holy Spirit were supposed to be practiced in a congregational setting, so in a church meeting like we're having right now. Now, there's a few things to notice that Paul is saying before we get to the specific gifts. So firstly, Paul is saying that he doesn't want us to be uninformed. We're not to be uninformed about the Holy Spirit. Now, it's a specific problem in Corinth. They were being influenced and led astray by false idols. So they'd all come from these cultic practices. We're all strange manner of workings of not the Holy Spirit, another spirit at work. And so therefore, he was saying, don't be uninformed about what is going on in the church here. And he talks a little bit later about distinguishing between the spirits. We probably don't have that same problem, or sometimes we do. Certainly, as we go about our lives, there are um, other types of spirit practice. So there is a spiritual dimension to life that Paul talks about in Ephesians when he says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and the powers of this world. So there is a spiritual dimension. But in the West, particularly in the UK, we don't necessarily take any notice of that dimension all of the time. We should probably take more notice of it than we do. But we're not to become obsessed with it. Anyway, the people in Corinth had become obsessed with it. And so he's saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know what you're experiencing and talking about here. Now, for us, uninformed probably means we have no idea about the gifts of the Spirit. So they've never been to explain to us. We've never really been to a church where the gifts of the Spirit are expected to be practiced by the church. Or we've had an experience at another church where it's been absolute chaos and there's been abuse of it. And we've had a bad experience of, for example, receiving a prophetic word where someone says to us, thus saith the Lord. And we've said, I don't know who you are, but I don't think God is saying it that clearly through you to me. And so therefore we shut ourselves off to the Holy Spirit and we become uninformed as a result. But we don't probably have the same problem in Corinth, but we do have problems with a similar Uh, of a different nature really here. One of the things I see again and again, particularly in what people would refer to as the charismatic church in this in this country is this idea that to be charismatic means that we have an acoustic guitar and modern worship songs. Can I just say, it does not matter a jot what kind of worship you're doing. We could be doing 12th century hymns up here. I don't care what we do. That does not make us charismatic. Charismatic is not worshiping in a modern way. Charismatic is practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that in a second. So what's that? Oh, you're saying amen. Thanks, Anne. There's a bit of audience participation. We're going to get to more of that in a bit. Yeah, so it has no, the form of your worship, the style of your worship, couldn't care less. The reason we do this is because that's what most people listen to, right? Some sort of like mid-tempo soft rock dirge. But we all enjoy it, and it helps us sing along to it, so we sing it here. Anyway, that's not what it means to be charismatic. Instead, the word gifts there is charisma in the Greek, which means the supernatural abilities given as gifts by God to us. Now, here's the important bit, without merit, okay? They're gifts. What does that mean? When you receive a gift, you don't earn the gift. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't given to the super spiritual. The gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't given to those of us who have it all together. The gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't given to those who are particularly confident or know what they're doing. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are simply given freely and abundantly as gifts by God. They're gifts of grace. So in the same way, none of you here can earn your salvation. 
There's nothing that you can do to earn your way into the presence of God because let's face it, the standard is far too high for all of us. That's why we need the grace of God poured out through Jesus' blood on the cross so that we can approach him with confidence, knowing that we're okay, knowing that we have it together, not because we've got it together, but because Jesus has it together and had it together. And when he died on the cross, he took our place and he took upon himself all of our sin, all of the ways and the things that happen that separate us, all of our self-centered obsession with ourselves, turning our life in and of itself, and all of the things that result on that was put onto Jesus, and it crushed him, and it killed him, and he experienced separation from God as a result. But then God in his power raised him from the dead, and now Jesus ascended into the heavens, and he filled us with his Holy Spirit. And guess what? The perfection of Jesus now lives in us, and we're able to come into God's presence freely and confidently, not because of us, not because of anything we can do, because of what Jesus has done. It's exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. You don't earn these things. They're given to us as gifts of grace. It's the charisma without merit. Uh, notice as well in verse 11 of this passage, just skip to the end, it says this, all of these are work of one and the same spirit. So it's the work of God. It's not our own, thanks Charlie, it's not our own work. Um, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So God does it. We don't force it. We don't make it happen. However, Paul does say later, eagerly desire them, which we'll get to in a second. So that's what the gifts are. Paul doesn't want us to be uninformed. They're gifts of grace given to us by God. What's the purpose of them? Well, the purpose of them is, I think, probably twofold, definitely, maybe threefold if we look at chapter 14 of well. First is that they, they glorify Jesus as Lord. They point to God being Lord, especially the supernatural gifts, which is the gifts that we're looking at here in this passage. The purpose of the gifts is to glorify Jesus, not the person practicing them. Now, they'd gotten themselves in a sticky business here in Corinth because it came about the person who had the gifts and they became the thing or the person that was glorified. Paul is saying it has nothing to do with that. The point is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit point to the lordship of Jesus. Okay, so it's about that. Now, this is relevant when we um, go to, for example, conferences where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are practiced and encouraged, and we get an American speaker who happens to be particularly good at prophetic words or something like that, and we ship them over to these conferences, and we stick them on the stage, and we say, go on, do some prophecy for us, and then they tend, because they're in tune with God and they've got a gift of, God's given them a gift of prophecy, they start giving these incredibly accurate prophetic words. And then at the end of the conference, what you'll notice is there's a huge queue of people waiting to speak to this one person so this one person can give them a prophetic word. That is the wrong use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly of prophecy. Because the point is we can all prophesy. The whole point of these prophetic people is they are supposed to be... Paul talks in Ephesians about being the office of a prophet, but the whole point is they equip the work of the saints. They're supposed to teach us to prophesy, not point to themselves as the powerful prophet. Okay, so if ever you see that kind of thing being practiced, run a mile, because it's not what Paul wants us to be practicing in church. The point is that we're to equip each other in the gifts of prophecy. So they point to Jesus as Lord. They're supposed to be glorifying him. There is also an evangelistic use. So in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul likes to point out that if you're going to practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly in a public context like this, make sure that they're intelligible. And the reason he wants them to be intelligible is so that if there are unbelievers among us, as there always are in this service and 
and in our morning service at St. Peter's. They make even just a little bit of sense. The thing is, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are weird as they are to anybody that's not used to this kind of thing. So we, can we please try and make them a little bit intelligible so that when somebody comes in, they kind of know what's going on. And particularly with words of knowledge, Paul talks about the power of a word of knowledge sometimes when an unbeliever comes in and a word of knowledge is spoken about and it speaks into the heart of the unbeliever and they fall to the floor and they proclaim Jesus must be Lord. Why? Because God knows them. So they need to be intelligible. So it's an evangelistic use. But then the, probably the most um, central purpose of these is in verse 7, where Paul says that they are given for the common good, the common good of the church. So he's talking to the church. He's saying, don't be un- uninformed about the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit gives them for the common good. Now, that word common good in the Greek means to bring together. They are given so that we can be brought together. And he goes on to talk about different body parts in the body. It's a famous passage in there. And also in Ephesians, he talks about us being like stones being built into this temple of the living God. Because remember, church isn't the building that we meet in, but it's us. We are the living stones of the temple with Jesus as the cornerstone. And so therefore, when we practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what it does is it brings us together. And we realize that as the people of God, we each bring our own gifts that God has given to to us so as to practice them in the corporate setting. And what that does is it builds the temple of the living God. And as we come together and we practice the gifts, we are able to house, if you like, the presence, the fullness of the presence of God among us. So it's to bring together and it's for the common good. Now in Corinth, they become divisive. And so therefore, he's speaking specifically into that. That's why he puts chapter 13 in between chapter 12 and chapter 14. And 13 is all about love. He says, you can have all the spiritual gifts you like, but if you don't have love, it's like a clanging gong. It's just noise. He says, you have to have love as the central point because the whole point of gifts is it brings us together as the body of Christ. And so therefore, this means when we practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we are doing it in a way that encourages, it builds up, it comforts and edifies, which just means that it builds us up and it encourages us as a church, not in the arrogant sense of, hey, look at me, look at my gift, and look at what God is doing through me. Okay, so that's the gifts. That's um, just really uh, what they are, what the purpose of them is. Let's look at the specific gifts that are mentioned by Paul here. This isn't an exclusive list. There's also gifts in Romans 12 that Paul talks about. They tend to be gifts of service, referred to as gifts of service. Also in Ephesians 4, gifts of different people in the church who are supposed to equip the works of the saints, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. But here we're talking specifically about the supernatural gifts. And remember, with a gift of the Holy Spirit, what what makes it spiritual isn't necessarily its intention. So it's not the fact that I want other people to be blessed by it. What makes it spiritual is that I am directing the glory back to God. So I am gifted so that God is glorified. I'm not gifted so that we're built, I'm so that I look good. I'm gifted so that God, God gives me gifts to glorify him. That's what makes the gift spiritual. But it doesn't, it's really not that hard to see how these are spiritual gifts because they're not normal things that we would practice day by day. 
So let's start. Why don't we start at the end of the list? Let's start with speaking in tongues. Um, this had become a problem in the church in Corinth. They'd almost elevated this gift over and above the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. They'd become obsessed with it. That's why their services were unintelligible. You'd walk in, everyone's babbling away in tongues. Nobody had any idea what was going on. And Paul was gutted because there were unbelievers coming in, wanting to know about the grace and the gift given through the person of Jesus by his life, death, and resurrection. And all they were faced with was a bunch of super spiritual weirdos babbling in tongues for the whole time, and they couldn't become Christians as a result. So he comes against this, and he essentially puts speaking tongues back in its rightful place. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks more about the idea that that's the least of all the gifts. If you're going to do anything, make sure you prophesy, but we'll come back to that in a second. What is speaking in tongues? So speaking in tongues is a gift given by the Holy Spirit to us so that we can express to God our innermost feelings in a way that goes beyond the limits of normal, rational human language. So you know when you're really happy and all you can do is squeal. Does anyone squeal when they're really happy? Yeah, brilliant. That basically means you don't have the words to express how happy you are in that moment, whatever it is that's making you happy. You know when you're really sad and all you can do is groan? Anybody groan when they're really sad? Just put their head on their table and groan. That basically is because you don't have the words to express how sad you are feeling right now. Now, the gift of speaking and singing and praying in tongues is given to us by God so that we can express our innermost feelings and thoughts back to God. It's the only gift of the Holy Spirit that is given exclusively for our own benefit. Paul talks later about it edifying ourselves as we speak in tongues. We get edified. So it's from us to God. Um, and there's two where well, there's lots there's a number of different uses of speaking in tongues, but one of them would be in Acts where they, they experience this day of Pentecost, they experience being filled with the Holy Spirit, they burst out and they start speaking in other languages. So sometimes um, I've known people who have been praying for somebody else in what they think is tongues, but the person hearing the tongues is hearing something in their own language. So for example, a friend of mine, John, was praying for somebody and he was just praying in tongues under his breath, and the person opens her eyes and turns to him and says, I didn't know you knew Arabic. And he says, I don't know Arabic. And she said, well, you're telling me how much God loves me in Arabic. So that's one use of the gift of tongues. Another use of the gift of tongues is so as to express praise to God. So often um, in worship settings, we'll have times where we start singing out, and we're encouraged this a lot here at St. Peter's, we'll start singing out in tongues to God. And that is to express our gratitude and our praise and our love to God in that moment. Another use of the gift of tongues is when we're interceding in prayer. So for example, the other day in staff meeting, uh, you probably won't know this, but we've mentioned it a bit in the evening service, there's been a number of stabbings in this local area. Youths have been stabbing each other. There's been horrible gang violence. And every time Anne has been taking a team to go and pray on the streets where it's been happening, and we've been praying as a staff team, and we've been praying as a church. Now another one happened on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we all started praying out together against what had been happening for the family, for the person who'd been stabbed. He actually been stabbed with a samurai sword just on an estate just over the road. And as we were praying out loud together, I noticed that a number of people started praying in tongues. And I started praying in tongues too. And I found myself starting to become incredibly emotional as I was praying. And I think the gift of tongues is given to us so that we can pray to God when all of our words, are, to be frank, not any use in those kind of situations. 
It's like we've prayed about this thing again and again and again, and there's only so many words that you can say to express to God, and our inner being needs to be able to express our grief and our sadness and our resolve to see this change, and so therefore we start praying in tongues. All right, second gift mentioned, interpretation of tongues. Now, this is Paul concerned that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are comprehensible for unbelievers. So sometimes what you'll find is we'll be worshiping together in in a corporate setting like this in church, and we'll encourage everybody to start singing in tongues or praying in tongues. And when it kind of, kind of, dies out, us singing in tongues, there'll be one person who, for whatever reason, who just suddenly feel the Holy Spirit and starts speaking very loudly or singing very loudly in tongues. Now, that is a what we call a public tongue. And at that moment, we will always stop things and we'll say, does anybody have the interpretation for that tongue? And then we'll wait. And somebody else, either that person who gave the public tongue or somebody else will have an interpretation of the tongue. Often you know it's the right interpretation because it's directed from us to God, okay? So tongues aren't prophecy. It's not a message from God to us. It's an expression of our emotion, of our praise or our joy or our grief back to God. It's a bit like the Psalms. So often what you'll find is a public tongue like that, once it's interpreted, it often sounds a little bit like the Psalms. So that's the other gift, interpretation of Tongues, we had this the other day um, in worship Sunday morning. We all sang in tongues, and then somebody just carried on going, and then we just waited for an interpretation of that. And then somebody said, I think it might be this. And then we said it, and it probably was. Okay, third one. Let's go back up to the top. A message of knowledge, he says. Now, this is where God reveals something about someone that they couldn't possibly know. So God gives Uh, me or you, something for somebody else, a current situation that they couldn't possibly know. It's like a message of knowledge. It's something that you wouldn't have known unless the Holy Spirit had given it to you. For example, the other day, um, they were doing a John Lewis advert just around the corner, and they used our courtyard for all the um, catering. And so we had a bunch of John Lewis people and security guards all out in there, and it was just it was free-for-all for our staff because they all just kept evangelizing and prophesying over all the different people here in our courtyard, and they couldn't get away because they were there to work. Anyway, one of the security cars was standing there. I was coming back from a coffee with a guy called Andrew who's on our staff team, and as soon as he looked at her, he just made a beeline to her, and he said, listen, this is going to sound really strange, but I work for that church just behind you, and I feel like God's just told me that there is a conflict between your mother and your sister, and it's getting really bad, and you feel like you're stuck in the middle of it. As soon as he said that, she started swearing at the top of her voice, like shouting swear words at us. So it must have been spot on. She was like, how do you know about that? How is that? How do you know anything about that? So that's a word of knowledge. What does that do? It gets her attention. Tells her that God loves her. So then what did we do? Well, we offered to pray for her. So we offered to pray that God would give her what she needs in that given situation so that she can be the peacemaker and that God would meet with her and that she would experience his peace. Did she become a Christian? I'd pro- no, she didn't. Not on the spot. Will she become a Christian? I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. She will never forget that moment. And it will come up again and again as she starts to think more about purpose and what her life is all about. So that is a message of knowledge. In the prayer meeting before the service that I encourage you all to come to, if you want to come um, pre-service, we pray at 4 p.m. I think we should change it to 4.30 because 4 is aggressive. But anyway, 4 p.m. in the back chapel, and we'll pray for words for this service for each of you. So we ask for words of knowledge um, here tonight, and these are the words we got. Someone here 
with a dodgy left leg. They can't walk on it properly. And Juliet, that was you, wasn't it? I talked to you as soon as you came in. You're like, that's me. So there we go. Someone with stomach pain. Uh, someone with a job interview tomorrow, and they're really nervous, anxious about it. Um, someone who finds Father's Day really painful um, because their dad would never drop them at the station when they needed it. Um, so, I mean, some of these are random, right? But we're just, they come into our heads. We write them down. We give them. Um, somebody who's considering cutting their hair really short because they think it will give them confidence, but really God needs to give them confidence. Someone worried about someone called Paige in their life and um, someone who, uh, whose dad always expected them to be perfect and God wants to say to them, it's okay, you don't need to be perfect, you can come to me. Now, some of those will be just us, stuff that's come into our head and we've made up, but I guarantee you some of them will be God speaking to some of you here. And so we're going to give them uh, an opportunity to respond to them in a bit. So that's messages of knowledge. Uh, next one, message of wisdom. Where's that? Message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit to another faith. Uh, message of wisdom. Oh, it was before. Okay, spirit and message of wisdom. Do you know, I, this one I find a little bit more difficult. I think the way that I see this expressed most in church is when somebody has a word for someone or a picture for someone or a prophetic thing for someone, but it doesn't make any sense. So Christians love pictures of waterfalls, for example. So I just see a waterfall and it's... Of, you know, it's beautiful and there's water coming from high to low. They, define, they love to define it. It looks like this. And then somebody else comes along and they have a message of wisdom. So it's wisdom as to what that actually means. So they might say, I feel like God is saying that he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit because water is often indicative of the Holy Spirit. It's the imagery of the Holy Spirit and that you are going to be full to overflowing. I mean, I'm just making this up on the spot, but you get what I mean. A message of wisdom is wisdom on something that God is often saying through a prophetic word. Now, there are other types of gifts of wisdom. Um, some of you here will know more about this than me, but for example, we've got a guy on, uh, called Andrew on our staff team, and I kid you not, for some reason, in any given situation or problem, he seems to be able to get to the heart of the matter really quickly. I think God has given him a gift of the Holy Spirit of, of a message of wisdom. He brings wisdom into situations all the time. So it could be that too, or it could be something else, and I could be making it up. Next one, gift of faith. Uh, not saving faith. Important to say this isn't the kind of faith that gets you saved. So we, when we have faith in Jesus, we believe and we trust in Jesus, then that saves us. We are saved. We are then counted in the family of God. When God looks upon us, he sees his son, Jesus. He loves us unconditionally and he loves to pour out his Holy Spirit in us so that we can become the people we're called to be and do the stuff that God has called us to do. Not talking about that here. We're talking about a, an extra special gift of faith in any given moment moment. So you know when Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go from here to here and it will move. It's that kind of faith. Um, I always think that's a bit of an unfair example because it seems to set the level pretty high. But anyway, some people just tend to have the gift of faith. Do you know who's got the gift of faith in our context? Chris Gould. Um, you know when he talked about buying a plane ticket and then having no accommodation, having not taking a credit card, not taking any money, and just relying on God to provide for him as he went? Chris has always had a strange gift. It's really weird. He's always had a strange gift of faith in that. He likes to do those sort of things. He finds them fun. I can't think of anything worse. I'd much rather take a credit card so that I can get 
get from A to B once I get there. But for some reason, he loves to exercise this gift of faith. And it's encouraging to him and it's encouraging to other people. Sometimes it's related, often it's related to healing, actually. So somebody say, I have faith for healing in a particular matter. If that's ever you, don't say, I know God is going to heal you if you suffer from this condition, because you might be wrong. And then it's really, it's just not kind, is it, for the person who's got that particular gifting. But if you feel like God has given you faith for something that he's about to do in and amongst us in the room now, you can share that. You say, I feel like God has given me faith for this condition or for God to do this right now. And that's a gift of faith given to you by the Holy Spirit. Next gift mentioned on there is healing. So this is supernatural healing of diseases and infirmities to the glory of God. Um, On Wednesday, I always do, you won't know this, I always do a 10 a.m common worship communion can you imagine me in that setting it's probably the highlight of my week it's nine old ladies from our church who are retired and we read it's the easiest service I do because we literally just read out of a book but then we do a little bible study together surprise surprise we always pray for physical healing because there's always ailments in the room so I use it as an opportunity to pray for people feeling anyway one lady who came there we were praying for healing the other day shared that she was on uh, the life weekend that we did a number of three months ago now and she, was, she came on crutches. I remember her coming on crutches. <clears throat> she had a really bad left leg. I think it was left. I just said that. It might have been right. And she was prayed for, and she instantly felt like it got better. She got rid of the crutches. She came back. And on Wednesday, she said, listen, I just need to say, because often we don't repeat these kind of things, but it has been three months since I used my crutches. I was definitely healed on that weekend away. And I think once it's been three months and you stop using your crutches, we can probably declare that it's a healing. That's the kind of thing, right? And what does that do? It raises faith in the room and it means that we can then pray for the other old ladies for none of you are here are they I shouldn't call you old ladies I'm sorry about that we can pray for the other people in the room you're not you wouldn't be here Sunday night at 5 p.m particularly not at this service and then we can pray for other gifts of healing and we do this all the time in our services don't we and it's really fun I love praying for healing so this next one uh, after healing miraculous powers this is particularly fun that commentators um, disagree as to what this exactly is. Some um, commentators think that this is uh, probably referring to power over supernatural evil. Um, And that definitely is a gift of the Holy Spirit given to us. So often when we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every time Jesus does that in the Gospels, there's a power encounter between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Because Satan doesn't like it that we are taking ground in the kingdom through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and things start to erupt. And then you start to notice this spiritual realm that I was talking about earlier. It starts to rear its head. And let me just say, if ever you come up against anything demonic, you will notice it because it will feel demonic. So sometimes as Christians, we have this weird kind of over-spiritualizing everything, and we don't, for example, revise for a test, and then it goes horribly wrong, and we say, it must be spiritual attack. It was a terrible time when really you just forgot to revise for the test. We're not talking about that kind of demonic. We're talking about very clear demonic things happening in your life and happening to other people and happening as you start walking out and taking ground for the kingdom. You'll notice demonic stuff start coming up when you start taking ground for the kingdom. Anyway, miraculous powers are given so that we can get rid of that stuff, be done with it. So I've been um, leading a church or involved in church leadership for a number of years now. And I would say there's been four times when it's been very obvious that I've come up against something that you would probably term as 
demonic uh, influence, maybe even demonic oppression, um, possession. And you know because when you start praying for them, they start doing strange things like growling or going on all fours or being sick into bins or lapping at water, all these sorts of strange things. That's when you can start saying that's probably demonic. And that's when you need these miraculous powers so to get rid of it. So you ask for the Holy Spirit, would you give me the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit so that we can see this person get free of this stuff? Um, could be that. Or it could simply be some of the stuff that we see Jesus doing. I say simply because it's stuff like walking on water um, and multiplying food. There's loads of fun multiplying food stories in Christendom. In fact, people love talking about it. It tends to happen where people don't have enough food, so we don't see a lot of it here. But in, certainly when people are on mission or people involved in countries where uh, food is scarce and there's a lot of poverty, you'll find again and again stories of people starting dealing out food they don't have enough for the people in the room and as they're dealing out they just see the food multiply that sort of thing could also be miraculous powers prophecy this is paul's favorite this is the ability to communicate an immediate message from god to a group or to an individual in the group um in a worship setting now there's little conditions that Paul puts on prophecy. It needs to strengthen. It needs to encourage. It needs to comfort. It's got to edify. It's got to build up. So it's not something negative. In this church, we won't talk about births, deaths, or marriages just because the, the bars, that is too risky, and we don't want to do that kind of thing. Um, but the point is that it's supposed to build people up and encourage them. So if you receive a word of prophecy that makes you feel miserable and oppressed and burdened and heavy, can I just say it's not from the Holy Spirit? Ignore it. Just, just don't. And in fact, come and tell me, and then tell me who gave it so that we can sort it out because we don't want that kind of thing happening here. The point is supposed to be kind of to build up and to edify. Now, when we do space for prophetic words, and we're going to do that in a second, it's very important that when we give a prophetic word, we just deliver it and get off. This isn't our chance to give a sermon. It's not our chance to give a list or our favorite passage or verses from the Bible. It's not our chance to say something that we've been thinking about in our quiet time in the week. That's probably for you. It's probably not for us. What you'll find is as we're waiting on the Holy Spirit, God will give you something that you weren't previously thinking about. And when you think about it, you're like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And it's clearly not for me. That probably means it's for someone else in this room, or it's for a group of us in this room. So if that's you, the encouragement is to come forward and to give it and just give it and get off. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to explain it. You certainly don't need to speak for a long amount of time. Can you tell that we might have that problem here? Okay, so distinguishing between spirits. Um, this is distinguishing the motivated spirit behind words or actions. Um, often this is common sense. So does it comfort? Does it encourage? Does it build up? That's how you distinguish partly. Also, don't forget chapter 13. Is it loving? Does it is it, is it a word that, it, that expresses love for the person and builds something? Does it glorify God or does it glorify the person giving it? All of these things are just common sense ways. But also, there is a gift of the Holy Spirit to distinguish between spirits. Like I said, there is a spiritual realm that we are living in that we don't always notice. But when you start exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you start taking ground for the kingdom, you will start to notice it more. And when you do start to notice it more, you'll need to distinguish between spirits. Because the kingdom of darkness does also exercise some level of power. Now, to be honest, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, it's limited and it's going to come to an end finally when Jesus returns. And the fullness of God will flood the earth and there'll be no more tears, no more crying, no more mourning. But 
in the present, we live in what theologians call the now and the not yet. So we experience a measure of the fullness of the kingdom, but it's still not yet what it is going to be. And so therefore, there is a kingdom of darkness at work that we need to be at least open to be able to distinguish between. And that is the gift of distinguishing between spirits. If you've been involved in occultic activity and you've come to faith in this church or in another church and you've been involved in lots of different spiritual practices over time, you are going to need this gift. You're going to need this gift to be able to tell, is this the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now or is this something that I've dabbled in before? And to be honest, we're all going to need the Holy Spirit, the, the gift of distinguishing between spirits as well, so that we can help discern that with you. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's not something to make um, particularly scary for anybody, but we need it so that we make sure that we are following the Holy Spirit and no one else. That's all of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine of them there. It's probably more, but that's nine. I mean, that's plenty to be getting out with, isn't it? Uh, how do we receive them? We ask for them. Jesus says in Luke 11, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit who gives these gifts to those who ask, not those who are holy, not those who pray loads, not those who read their Bible all the time. All those things are great. Don't not do them. They're incredibly important. But he gives the gifts of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, we're to eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy. So he says, you can all prophesy. And he says, I speak in tongues, this is because tongues was a thing in Corinth. I speak in tongues, he said, more than any of you. And I want you all to speak in tongues, but just stop making it the be all and end all because it's actually better that you prophesy because it's intelligible and and the body is built up as we do it. Why don't we do it? Now, listen, I'm very aware that for some of us this is going to feel a little bit scary. Because partly maybe we just don't know about, we're uninformed, like Paul talks about there, we don't know about it. Maybe because you've had a bad experience of this sort of thing, of people shouting and doing strange things and whipping people up into emotional hysteria. We don't do that here. We want to practice the the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a way that genuinely builds each other up, that has love at the center. And if love is at the center, we're never going to emotionally manipulate you. We're never going to be- whip up some sort of emotional hysteria so that things happen or it feels like things are happening. We're just going to wait really simply and we're going to trust on what Paul says there. If we eagerly desire the holy gifts of the Holy Spirit, God is going to give them to us. So you've got nine there. Which one do you want? Let's stand up. And we're just going to spend some time waiting. You might want to shut your eyes just so you're not distracted. Let's just deal with some of the things that come against us receiving these gifts first. So if you're nervous about this kind of thing, why don't you give that to God first? And as a church leader, on behalf of anybody who has ever abused these gifts, who's manipulated you, I'm sorry. That is not how God intended the gifts of his Holy Spirit to be used in church. But the correction for abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit isn't stopping practicing them, it's just the correct use of them which I hope is what you're going to experience here.
others of us might feel nervous because this goes against so much that we are taught in school or that we engage with in the secular realm. And for you and for us, we just need to be reminded by the Holy Spirit now that you are made in the image and likeness of God. You are not made in the image and likeness of this culture. You're not made in the image and likeness of whatever corporation you work for. You're not made in the image and likeness of the friendship group around you. You are made in the image and likeness of God. anointed you. The Spirit of the Lord is on you to bring good news, to release the oppressed, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the prisoner free, to bring in the kingdom of God. So let's just wait now and let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us these gifts. beauty of this is that everybody gets to play. The kingdom of God is fun. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. It doesn't mean that you have to feel compelled or forced to engage now. But if you've asked the gift of the Holy Spirit we can trust that God loves to pour out his gifts on his children so that the body is built up, so that the kingdom advances. Just keep your eyes shut as you're waiting. We're going to do things slightly differently tonight. Can you put your hand in the air? I'm not going to do anything or compel you to do anything or force you to do anything. Could you put your hand in the air if you've asked for the gift of speaking or praying in tongues? Anybody? Nope, fine. So what about healing, gift of healing? One, two, three, thank you. Four, thank you. Five, brilliant. Okay, put your hands down. So is anyone here who needs prayer for physical healing? Wonderful. So if you could come forward, that word of knowledge for you, Juliet. If you, if you guys could come forward and just gather over here, in this right-hand side, your left-hand side, if you need prayer for healing, physical healing. Sorry, I know you don't have to tell anybody what it is, but just come forward and they're just going to lay hands and pray for you. Um, thank you. Just come over there. Anyone else? Thanks. Okay, those people who put their hands up who'd asked for the gift of healing, could you come forward and I'm going to teach you how to pray for healing. So come forward now and you're going to pray for one of these guys. Thank you. 
So guys that will come up, if you just keep your eyes shut, just open your hands. And the people coming up to pray, um, just find somebody here and ask them what it is they want prayer for. Now, guys being asked, you don't have to say it if it's inappropriate. You don't feel the need to say it at all. But if you can and if you want to, just tell these guys what you need prayer for healing for. So do that now. Brandon, could you come and just tinkle in the background? Thanks, mate. Everybody else, just keep waiting on the spirit. We're going to get to the others. Wonderful. So once they've told you, that was brilliantly brief. I normally have to tell people not to give full medical history. Well done. Um, if it's appropriate, people praying, just lay your hand um, where the injury is, or whatever it is. That's if it's not appropriate, just put your hand on their shoulder. Um, ask permission to do this. Wonderful. And then pray your best prayer of healing. Probably goes something like this. In the name of Jesus, I pray that this X condition will be healed. If you're really advanced, you could speak a little bit into whatever it is that's going on. I'm going to leave you guys to it. Just keep praying for a bit. Um, who asked for the Sorry, you, you know where I'm going now, so you might not put your hands up. Who asked for the gift of prophecy? Brilliant. One, two, three. Thank you. Um, wonderful. Does anybody here relate to those um, words of knowledge that were given earlier by me? Remember the words of knowledge I gave? Yeah, <laughs> you're getting healing. You can't have it, babe. Wait, who sat down there? Who was doing that? Come back up. We're going to carry on. I'm coming back to you. Keep laying on. She's on her own, bless her. All right. Uh, do you know what? Let's do it this way. Who wants prayer? Um, who wants a prophetic word? Come up and stand over here, if that's okay. If you want a prophetic word, can you come up and stand over here? I'll have a prophetic word. Thank you. Well done. Anyone else? Brilliant. Anyone else want a prophetic word? Come over here. Must be more than that. This is a word from God to you to encourage you. Anyone else want one? Brilliant. Good. So um, now who prayed for the gift of prophecy? Who was that? Oh, you want the word. Anyone else? Um, who else was it? Come forward. Sorry, if you don't mind. Um, and you, Eleanor. Come on. I saw your hand. You can't do that. You knew what you were walking into. Come on. Okay. And um, so you guys coming up for a prophetic word. Not you. Um, put your hands out. Close your eyes. Now, guys, go lay a hand on their shoulder. Keep your eyes open and ask God for a word. Now, let me give you a clue. It's going to be um, a picture that God might give you in your mind's eye. It might be a Bible verse. It might just be an, an impression or a word or a phrase or something. The key thing is just go with it. As you get it, just go with it. And then ask them if it's right. If they say no, well done. You tried. You stepped out in faith. That's the whole point. We're all friends here. It's okay. Um, so, do you mind helping these guys a bit? Thank you two people here just do your dab because then if you get it wrong it doesn't matter does it perfect all right guys praying for healing once you've prayed for it um try it out this is the most un-english thing awkward thing you'll do in the history of the world of praying for healing and um, but get the person that you've just prayed for to try it out that means you have to you know do something that you couldn't do before well done have a go that's it and what you want to do is is it, is it any measure of improvement? Any Anyone felt any measure of improvement? Yeah? Measure of improvement? Anyone else felt? Brilliant. Okay, so now you have another go. So you thank God for that improvement. So thank you, Lord, for that partial healing, for the bit that feels a little better. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask for the rest of it in Jesus' name. Remember, it's not you that's healing them. This is God, so don't worry about it. 
So just ask for the rest of it. Is that all right? Sorry, I know this is deeply awkward. You're doing very well. Go on. Lay hands. Well done. Uh, what else do we have in there? <laughs> Miraculous powers. Um, someone must want to say, who hasn't? Who doesn't speak? In, this is the best gift for your prayer life, speaking in tongues. Anyone want it? Because we've got Anne here, who's very experienced at helping, Anne Lydia, very experienced at helping people receive the gift of tongues. Anyone want it? No? All right, fine. Let me just remind myself what the others are. You guys keep going, keep trying. Have a little sing, Brandon. Make it less awkward. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. Okay, does anyone, <laughs> anyone currently feel oppressed? You feel burdened or you feel heavy? You feel like there's just a weight on you and it feels like when you get up in the morning, it just, yeah, Rob, come forward. If you could just stand here, we're going to ask for people to pray for you. Anyone else? Just feel heavy in the mornings and it feels, it's not physical tiredness. It feels like something that might be spiritual. And do you mind praying for Rob? Thank you. You feel it now? Well, 